Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hi, my name's Cam Smith. Across from me, I have Renee Paradise. Renee Paradise. I'm feeling kind of chilled out. You were worried I was a little bit strung out. But how could you be at the beautiful shack? (laughs) Tide's falling. I'm saying so the barge might be a little bit late in getting the supplies here, but that's okay. Um, there's a clang. I'm going to remember not to do that again. <laughs> that was just me putting my, my water glass down. As you can see, our tables are made of resonant material. Um, on today's show, we are going to be looking at the history of the pavlova, and we're going to be talking to a self-styled pavlova queen. Don't try registering it because she's already done it. Her name is Nerida Conway and she's done an interesting pivot in these uncertain times and um, she's been making a lot of paths and we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the PAV, um, her um, road to Damascus conversion to PAVs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my own jokes. <clears throat> Stop that. Stop that. Uh what do you what, what, what do you call that when you like an epiphany? She's yes, she's had yeah. the the Pavlova epiphany, so we're we're going to explore that and and talk a little bit about that. I did get off the island and left the shack reluctantly. I had to get out of the hammock, get into the tinny, go across to the mainland, and I've been to the market and I've had a chat with John. Joey made me a cup of coffee, which was great, so we can have a chat to him about what's coming. in. Everything's looking beautiful at the market at the moment. I've got to say. And uh, and then we uh, talked to Duncan Buchanan, you know him, the plonker. We're going to talk his uh, his segment, which is the acronym is Wow World of Wine. Yeah, if you put those together, it's a TLA for for that sort of stuff. But I've got to say, uh, Renee, um, big day yesterday. I was out in Geelong, down in G. Troyd. Helping my good buddy, uh, buddy's actually Seb and Derv from uh, Anther Gin, making cherry vodka. Gin, sorry, I haven't had enough coffee yet. Cherry gin. Cherry gin. Which really, Yum. which me really means just a whole bunch of us just standing with cherry pippers, just doing this repetitive action for about four hours. Three hundred kilograms of cherries. Wow. Wow. Have you got a callus or something to? I've still got a little bit of mark oh, yes, under there. Yes, yes. The good thing about cherry juice is it washes out pretty easily. Okay. It's very intense at the time, though, isn't it? It's very intense, yeah. but yes. it's, it's not as full-on as mulberry juice, which is pretty yeah. much you cannot get that stain out. But, uh, yes, so uh, down there, anther, 300 kilograms of cherries, which then gets macerated in gin and comes out and, yeah, very, very nice. And it also allowed me to go to... This amazing place within Geelong. Geelong's come a long, long way. When's the last time you went to... Geelong, long way. Yeah, Geelong, long way. Mm. When last time you've been along to Geelong? Well, unfortunately, a little bit shut down by the COVID thing, so I... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... That is that, yes. The last time I went was to the Bowen Club to see some bands. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, there's a there's a place within Geelong called Little Mallop Street. Okay. One yes. L, surprisingly, right. named after some mallop of note. Okay. <laughs> in the past. I'm thinking you're going to tell me about like you can get an amazing coffee there or a great little brunch or some amazing local distilled you, spirits. Pretty much all of it. It's just this little enclave within. Oh. Like like one thing you don't do, and and no disrespect too much to the people that own the. The very expensive real estate on the foreshore that you know you can get your salt and pepper calamari, um, and a crown lager. Every seaside town town has one of those. Yeah, but Mallop Street is this little enclave of um, of hipster goodness, I suppose would be one way to sort of put it. Cool. Japanese place, um, great Italian place, the Continental. Um, yeah, great coffee. No worries. There's coffee roasters within this got little area. Coffee in Geelong. They got great coffee in Geelong. <laughs> great coffee in Geelong. Uh, but also, of course, one of my favourite places. And we've spoken to Aaron Turner, uh, he of uh, Igni, um, great restaurant around the area, but also the Hot Chicken Project, which has possibly the best fried chicken in all of Australia. Sorry, Fiona Scott Norman, um, with your great <laughs> show, Sid. We- I, sorry, I slipped on a chicken and well, I ate look, it. No, yeah. <laughs> I ate the whole damn thing. Yeah, and it was finger licking good. Yeah. Oh my god, and maybe a little bit very spicy. Very Are spicy. We allowed to lick our fingers anymore? Uh, between uh, mutual consenting adults. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and so long as there's uh, masses and masses of sanitizer in between <laughs> people doing that, I suppose so. Uh, but yes, Mal- Little Mallop Street is worth a, a detour to Geelong um, because there's all sorts of beautiful things there. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Here at the Beach Shack, all is good. And, and joining us is. Uh, just got out of the tinny and is uh, wandering up the beach. She f- feels the sand just coming between her toes. Her name is the Pavlova Queen. Actually, her real name is Nerida, but she's on the radio with us right now. Welcome to the Beach Shack, Nerida. Hi. Oh, hello, Cam. So lovely to hear your voice. How you doing? Oh, living the dream of Melbourne, being oh. free slightly. <laughs> We we can peer out of that the the velvet cage that we have been oh, in no. for for so long, and and this is a story of the velvet cage and contemplation within the cage and going. I'm going to have to do something. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, what am I going to do? What you going to do? What'd you do? Oh well, I mean, lockdown to you know everyone was terrible. Mm. I don't, don't know anyone who enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and I, my, you know, I, I sort of have worked in food media for many, many years, and all of my gigs just fell in a heap <laughs> the day that yeah, we what, kind of what went gigs? into the... Oh, well... Sorry, you're not psychic, are you? No, no, no. I was going to. No, I was. I was actually. This was me nodding in furious agreement, going, "Yeah, what gigs? There's no gigs anymore." Um, no, there's no gigs. Exactly. Right, same, same job. Yeah, all of my. Yeah, so I, you know, I had different, um, I guess, event-related emceeing jobs. I had a podcast on hmm. a food and wine podcast on Virgin Airlines, and they hmm. stopped flying. How rude! So there goes. Oh, my so podcast. that went too. So yeah, of course yes, not. Everything. Wow. 
it, all of my jobs cancelled for the whole year on the Friday when the announcement was made. Mm. And I kind of sat there like a stunned mullet going, what, what am I going to do with myself and how am I going to earn a living? Yeah. Um, and that probably took me, that question took me, you know, through the first lockdown pretty much. And I spent a lot of time realising that having more time on my hands is not the answer because my shed is still a disgrace. Yes. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, I can use this time effectively. I think we were all a bit paralysed by terror. Um, and then the second lockdown came and I thought, oh, look, I can't go on like this. is crazy. At least I've got to do something a bit productive with my time. And it was a girlfriend's birthday and I thought, well, she loves pavlovas. I've never made one in my life. I'm not a sweet tooth. I don't even really like them. But I'll have a crack at making one for her. Why not? So, She's special. <laughs> she deserves a special right. protein network confection. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Anyway, I made about eight, and they were epic fails. And I threw all of them in the bin and thought, oh, look. And Did I you say, something- sorry, can we rewind? You made yes. about eight. Yes. Wow, you, they well, were all you kept terrible. Kept having a go. So what was happening? They kept they kept falling, or they were too tough, um, or I am definitely not a quitter. So no, 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 things... obviously not. <laughs> so, okay, so the first one was like basically like a flat little pancake hockey puck that if you bite into it, it'll break off a tooth. Right, right, that yes. Wasn't the look I was after. Not yielding texture. One... No, no. Yep. No, the second one was weepy. Mm-hmm. And just soggy and foul. I'm sensing I'm in a Goldilocks story here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And then the third one, no, the ninth one. The ninth one. <laughs> I nailed it, baby. I nailed it. Yeah. It was, it, I had a vision in my head. I, I mean, look, there's so many recipes online. This is the thing. And there's so many bossy instructions and rules. You can't have a burning oven. You can't have this. You've got mm. to do that. You no grease. No oil. Well, no I know th- the biggest one is no oil in your meringue because it'll just never work, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, that one. I even tried buying those, you know, the egg whites that you can just buy. Cause I thought, well, that way I'm not wasting, you know, the oh, you did, the and, you, and you didn't Fail. You didn't sort of get your eyes weren't drawn down the no. special supermarket aisle to pavlova <laughs> magic? Do you know, at one point, I was getting so desperate. I looked at that little plastic egg and I thought, I'd probably have to shoot myself in the head if I really started to go down that path. Yeah. No no magic. I persisted. No magic in that. So, anyway, I finally created one that I was happy with. And that's my version of happy with, which is not everyone's. But Mm. for me, I wanted it to be that you could tap it on the outside. So it's it's like rock hard, fairly hard on the outside. But as soon as you... Tap a little bit harder, like an eggshell. Soft. You crack it, and it's it's soft, but it's not Yielding. like foam of the bought ones that you buy that are like foam that dissolves in your mouth. Mm. It's got to be a bit marshmallowy and a little bit of substance. It's a persistent foam. That's right. <laughs> so... <laughs> the foam that persists. <laughs> wow. Oh, and then the other thing that I wanted to do was I thought, well, because again, I'm not such a sweet. I'm not. A, my backside is made solidly from cheese and chips, really. Yeah. I'm not really a sweet tooth, but I thought, I don't want these to be sickly sweet where you just want to have a diabetic episode at the end of one. Yes. So I've got a whole lot of fruit, and I wanted to make it so that the base of the pavlova really is just a portal for the fruit, not the other way around. A portal for the the fruit? Hang about. We've got to write that down. Have you written that down? (laughs) 
Portal for the fruit. That is awesome. <laughs> yes, no, I'm with you on that because what it is is it's sort of it's a texture and a thing that shows off the greatness of the fruit that you've put on it. Yes, but often people make a, including, you know, my distant relatives who used to make a pab all the time, mm. they make the beautiful meringue pab, that's fine, mm. but then they just go and chuck a few bits of kiwi fruit or oh, on top of oh. it. It's just like a bit, no. No. So heavy, I call it the pavlova thigh. That when I'm topping it at certain stage, <laughs> it gets so laid down with with weight of the fruit that it goes it, and it kind of collapses in the centre a bit. Ooh, and that's when I know I've reached ooh, maximum fruit capacity. <laughs> that's that's a sensual pavlova. Not only it essential, is. it is sensual too. That's right. <laughs> wow. And okay, so, um, uh, so toppings. Shelley. Yeah. Um, well, I sent my pad over off to Shelley in an Uber Connect, yes. and she um, she mm-hmm. rang and said, "Oh, best pad I've ever had! It's just amazing!" And I thought, "Well, she loves me. She's my friend. She's just been kind. Yeah. Lovely." Five star. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it's really a three out of ten, but she's saying it's a five. That's great. Bless. Um, and she posted a photo on Instagram, and by the end of the week, I had about thirty-five people, sort of in my area-ish. I'm in Darabin. Mm-hmm. Um, just saying, oh, I didn't know who they were. She didn't know who some of them were. Hi. Oh, my gosh, I love a pav. Could you please make me one? And before I knew it, I rang my mum and dug her out of ISO and said, <laughs> come on, mum, you've got to come and help me. Get your whisk out and you join me. Yeah. Yes. And that big right, right arm. one either. Yes. So people keep saying, oh, surely your mum's good at it. No, mum's never made one and mum's not really great at them. And I, I love my mum desperately. Mm. And she's brilliant at helping me. But yeah. She can't really make them either. Yeah, so she needed so, training. She needed training up on the tools. Well, she, she actually more does the sort of the um, operations-y type stuff because oh. before I knew it, I had, you know, orders coming out of orders and mm. I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I, I sent them off during that time as well to lots of different people in my area who I knew um, from on Facebook and things. Business people who were having a really, really horrendous time in lockdown. And I just thought it's just something I can do to send them just to put a bit of a smile on their face. Oh, and, good on you. And I just, so I was sending out, you know, half a dozen a week to different random people that I didn't necessarily even know, but who I knew were having a hard time. And one of the people I sent one to was um, Scott Pickett, who's chef. He's got Estelle and a few different restaurants around <laughs> yeah. Melbourne. Yes. Yeah, and I sent um, him, his family, actually, a pav, and I said, look, I know it can't be easy, you've shut some restaurants, and don't judge, because I'm not a chef, but here's a pav just for a bit of afternoon tea. And his wife called and said, oh, you've got to keep this going post-lockdown, this is just delicious. And I said, well, I can't really, I've got, you know, teenagers and dogs roaming around the house, probably, probably shut down by the health department at some point. Um, and then next thing, Scott, bless his heart, called me and said, you know, look, you've got to keep this going. I've got Lupo, my restaurant in um, Smith Street, Collingwood, that's shut at the moment. We're, we're, you know, basing it. We're about to launch another restaurant, so we're using it as a base. And um, here's the key. Help yourself and make them from there. Mm. So incredibly generous, and so I kept it going, and and was paying it forward by you know paying Scott with with pavs because I said I can't pay you anything, um, but I paid him in pavs, and he used those pavs to give to lots of other people who needed the 
bit of cheering up and it's just been a, a cycle of joy really. And it's just been a start of a beautiful thing. Now we've got about yeah. uh, a minute or so uh, left now do we need to know I suppose maybe to see these paths maybe go on to Insta to check them out? Yeah, so it's pav.queen mm. on Insta and Facebook as well. Pav.queen, um, yep. And the website's um, pavqueen.com.au. Yes. Um, it's order, it's um, delivery at this point, and we're trying to work out what we do moving forward. And what's your so favourite topping on a pav? I love a classic berry. Yes. I don't think you go past that, but I also love my Turkish Delight one. Oh, <laughs> oh, we just eye, eyebrows just almost hit the ceiling, um, and also uh, in just uh, in the the last little minute or so, not minute. You know, Renee's my, I've getting the whip cracked at me. Who oh. invented the pav? Was it the New Zealanders or the Australians? I'm Do we know? I'm going to say it was definitely us, and I think the Kiwis mm. have stolen it. It's actually not true. It was the Kiwis, mm. but like we do, we claim all the good Kiwis for ourselves. We've got Russell Crowe, we've got the Pav, you know. <laughs> We're Why to not? Get <laughs> well, they, they, they do say that it was a Wellington chef who uh, created the billowy dessert in the honour of a of a Russian dancer, Anna Pavlova, right. claiming right. inspiration from her tutu. So have a think about that when you check out oh, Narita's fabulous pavs. Congratulations on your Thanks, uh, Pavlova pirouette, shall we say. <laughs> Love it. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> hey, great to sp- hear your voice, uh, more strength to your arm, and uh, great to have your mum in an admin role doing the logistics. <laughs> Thanks so much, Cam. See you, Narita. Bye. The Pavlova Queen. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. We're starting for real now, John. Okay. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Hey! I... The sun's out as usual. Yeah, it's good. I've swum off the island to uh, to come and see you. Oh, beautiful. Thank... You, you, you come at the right time. I have indeed. It's, um, it's a beautiful Sunday here at the Queen Victoria Market. I'm at Tomato City. We're talking to the star of the show, John, at Tomato City. And, and he's also... His son's given me a beautiful cup of coffee. So, hey... I well, feel better already. Of course, you know, life's good and we get into the good food, good coffee and good everything, so yeah. why not? So just a little bit of black from the electric Bialetti. Yes, a beautiful little machine. We, we um, bought this off a friend of ours who got it in for us off the internet and you plug it in, fill it up with coffee and away you go. No harm to the environment with the aluminium pods and all that uh, BS, Stuff. you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yes, um, and, and it's a little miracle every morning. It definitely is, and sometimes we get naughty. We put the holy water. Don't forget. I, I, I cannot forget. I cannot forget. I'm a bit um, sad that I'm not getting my usual uh, lusterware little cup that I love so. I much. actually broke it yesterday. No, no. Yes, yes. Joseph threatened to tell his grandmother, <gasps> and I said, "You better not. She Don't might you get tell. upset." But we've got three more, but they're not. Um, Beautiful like that one. They're um, a purpley and black, and oh, but that no. one was just beautiful. All right, you need to go to the op shops around country Victoria to find one. Anyway, sorry, we digress. Here we are at the market. It's a little bit slow, but 
Good Lord, the produce is looking magnificent today. Oh, we just so like I was saying it to one of the girls before. Mm. All the veggies are at their prime. Yep. Fruits at its prime. Stone fruits at Stone prime. fruit. The Asian vegetables are peaking as well because it's been raining. Um, and, and it's beautiful. And people um, are a little bit slow coming out today because it's a lazy Sunday. Yeah. And I don't blame them. I'd do the same if I could. I looked a typical Melbourne overcast morning this morning. But now the sun's shining. The uh. sky is blue. How can you not feel brilliant? I'm happy. I'm happy. I really, really am. Even the spring onions are looking amazing. Look at the spring onions. Yeah, yeah. They're selling big bunches too cheap. Like they're full of air. You know when the spring onion is like just... uh, Yes, yes, yes. And that's what rain does to to the veggies. Mm. So um, I was uh, at the front of the place as uh, Joey was making me a beautiful little cup of coffee. And John said... Go on, pick some stuff. We're going to do some show and tell. So um, I've picked a few things. So one of the, actually, one of the first things you asked me to have a look at, you said, those pink and white potatoes, Cam. What have we got here? Well, this is a bag of um, baby Desirees, about the size of an egg. Yeah. Um, now, this is probably a... Not the bag, the potatoes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the better potatoes that you can eat, in my opinion, and at the right price, too. Now, these today, we're pushing them out at $2 a kilo. Um, wow. Even though they've been washed, I don't normally like washed potatoes because they use chemicals. With the Desirees, they probably use less because they're easier to clean. Yep. And they last longer. They don't go green like a white potato. Uh, a lot of the white potatoes, uh, yes, yes. Or, or when they go bad and yeah. they smell. And and they, they, oh, there's nothing worse. Oh, um, yeah, anyway. So, you know, Get that out of your minds, folks. Yeah, the yeah. Desirees, the baby ones are good, the big ones are good as well. Mm. And they do everything. You can bake them, you can fry them, you can boil them, you can slice them and put them in the oven um, and put all the fancy stuff on top, or you can do them plain. Potato salad. Yeah, definitely. This is a good and, potato and, salad. And the colour... That really comes out of the potato, a beautiful yellow colour. Um, if you're naughty, like my dad, who was 94 anyway, but anyway, he puts a half a kilo of butter on top with parsley and garlic. Oh, yes, and... he likes that, doesn't he? Yes. Um, <laughs> you and... think he was a northern Italian with all the butter that he eats, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, he come to the lucky country, mate. Even though back home they made their own milk and stuff, they, they had it good there too. Yeah. Um, so that's those? So that was those. And, and like I said, they sit beside a roast or a potato salad, whatever. Or if it's a very, very hot day like it's been some days, we've had either a steak or a schnitzel with a potato salad. And then we've got these beautiful frilly uh, red oak lettuce. We've got green oak as well. Um, unfortunately, this was grown hydroponically, but it was sitting in soil and um, it's been fed. So it's... Yeah. Maybe halfway in between the two. It's a hybrid almost, isn't it? Yes. It's got, you can see the root ball here, and it's got hasn't got all that vermiculite or whatever the hell. Yes, know, yes, stuff. exactly. This, this has got, got real soil. This is a nice black soil too, actually. Yes, yes, a very good soil. Um, I, I love this lettuce. Um, when it's fresh and it's vibrant, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and this is a testament to the coolness of the days we've got at the moment and the growing conditions we've had, and that this thing is just... Screaming out, eat me, eat me. It's, yes, it looks definitely. Beautiful. It's very attractive. Even if you're making um, um, spring roll with rice paper, the colour shines through. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, you've got the red lettuce and your orangey prawn and beautiful carrots and um, 
cucumber in it, and all the vibrant colours and the flavour really comes out. God, you know, I love this. This is the part of the thing that I love about Australia and that we have so many different things that we can draw from, these strings of cuisine. And here I have an Italian, a very proud Italian, telling me about making spring rolls and um, rice paper rolls using that. That's, That's the beauty of my... Um, mm. Life and environment, we've always rubbed shoulders with the Chinese, Vietnamese, mm. uh, Arabs, Lebs, Greeks, Italians, yeah. and we cook from everyone's culture, we'll and that's why we all look so healthy, and, and why my dad's got the 94 as well, yeah. you know, other than a little bit of red wine as well, mm. not much at dinner time. How much are these? These, uh, uh, this... these today we're selling a little bit dearer, we normally sell two, they're 250 today, um, even at 250 it's a good buy, there's a lot of lettuce there. Two fifty is great price for. for I this say thing. to people, sit it in a glass of water; it'll keep growing. So you pick the outer leaves out. Yeah, and away you go. <clears> now then, you've, you've brought out um, some cherry tomatoes. Two um, two groups on branch. Uh, one is sort of what I'd call a pointy Roma, yeah. and then the other is just um, a little cherry tomato that we all know. Yes. They look as if they've been dehydrated. They've got um, slightly wrinkly skin. Tell me yes. about these. The uh, pointy ones are mini Roma. And the round ones are uh, cherry truss. Mm. Now these are, um, I had two or three kilo left over from last year. And I had too many at home, so I didn't take them home. I left them here under the bench. Oh. Now I'm going to take these home and we're going to make a pasta with these. They look like they've been sun-dried. Yeah. They're a little bit uh, dry. Yep. But still good enough for a salad, believe it or not. Yeah. But the beautiful, vibrant, fresh ones we got are really crunchy. When you put them in the mouth, they burst. Mm. You'll find that the flavour in that's still intense. Sweet. Very sweet. Mm. Uh, all the acids in them converted to sugar already. Mm. Uh, we made pizza in a wood-fired oven um, New Year's Day. And at the end, we sliced these up in half and put salt on them, put them in the oven, and they dried up just the right amount. There's enough moisture in them. We packed them in the olive oil in the jars. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, when you feel a little bit peckish, out come the crackers or good crusty bread and a bit of brisotto or uh, salami and cheese. It's a hard life. It sounds good. Yeah. It sounds good, but, but no garlic, right? No. You, no, no. Otherwise, the garlic... You do, you either have to put the garlic in the oven and warm it up too or maybe fry it and then put it in, because if you put it in raw, it's yep. liable to go acidy and blow everything up. Yeah, not good, not good. So, and the fresh ones have been beautiful. They've run away this week. If yep. you can see the vibrancy of the colour on the stand, Cameron, um, they just jump at you. They really, really and do. Then, and then we've got rude food, as usual. Yeah. We, we've got this um, Roma, which is a little bit smaller than an egg, yeah. and it's got a big nose on it, and it looks beautiful. It's amazing. A big nose on it. I Thank keep you, saying to people, God doesn't just make mistakes with humans, it does it to the veggies too. <laughs> so anyway, we've got those. No doubt Joe's taken a picture of that. You can see it on Instagram. On uh, what's, your, what's your Instagram again? Uh, at Tomato, Tomato City, City at QBM. QBM. And then we've got these tiny little capsicums. Yes, now we've always had these tiny capsicums. Mm. They're um, half the size of an egg. And we've seen pictures of these black ones on the internet before, but we've never seen them. And when we went in Wednesday morning to Epping at the first for the first time, uh, one of the boys there had three colours, uh, a beautiful red one, a beautiful bright orange, and the black ones. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot of seed in them, but... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I gave one to a little boy the other day, seven or eight. He ate everything, even a stalk, and it won't hurt you, even raw. A stalk. He, he enjoyed it. Wow. 
what I <laughs> like to do with these, I like to fry them. Even when we fry the banana chilies, we always eat the seeds as well. Yes, me too. Yes. Because yeah. um, you get the flavour and the texture as yeah. well, especially in a bit of crusty bread as usual. Mm. Um, they're very, very mm. sweet, very different. Um, we were looking at photos and um, they put them on a uh, cheese board with dips and that and using the capsicums as a dipper. Sounds brilliant. Sort of like uh, Italian crudités. Yeah. 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 But you can barbecue them, bake them, everything, throw them in with a roast. Yeah. Um, can't go wrong. <coughs> let's me. let's look out and uh, do a little right, well, pick of the market. Let's let's do the first oh, one. Tom- tomatoes. Doncasters. Uh, Joey's just saying these are new ones. That are yeah, just these out. are the local ones. Yep. Field grown. Yep. Hand harvested as all of our tomatoes are. Yes. Um, First pick's always, yeah, not bad. Second pick will be better. Mm. First one, um, they're not full strength. They will be full strength. We've still got Murray Bridge tomatoes, and we've got all our um, beautiful uh, heirlooms. heirlooms. We've even got ox hearts today. Mm. So come and have a look. People have really jumped into them. They've missed them because they What's had that? to buy. So like a San Marzano over there? Uh, that's an ox heart. That's an offset. Samazano coming. We hope they better come. We've got to make sauce. It looks a little bit like a Samazano. Samazano, yes. for those, um, is sort of like the holy grail of uh, uh, polpo uh, yes. tomatoes. Yes. Um, looks a bit like a Roma, but sort of um, um, uh, ridged yes. skin. And um, these are quite nice in a salad, but I like them when they're overripe. You, you just warm them through mm. and drop an egg in, and, and it's to die for. Oh, hang about. What are you doing? When you're they're really through, over, you drop an egg in. Yeah, you fry. Just put them in a fry pan. Yep. As soon as they've changed consistency a little bit. Yep. And you throw an egg in. Yep. And it's not raw and it's not cooked either. Ooh. And then with a beautiful bit of uh, parsley and garlic through it. Yes. And, and a crusty bread. Busted and and some uh, maybe some blue cheese with it as well. Blue cheese. Yeah. I've, I've wow. I found blue cheese that doesn't smell like old socks. Really? What sort is that? Like a wow. Costello or something. Yeah, we've had Costello and we've had a couple of others, some Victorian ones as well. Mm. Um, because Shadows with, of Blue is a very mild yeah, sort of blue. Because with my hay fever, it, it yes. plays tricks on you. Some things can be very um, bad smell and bad taste. But I found some that we like, so we, we do that. And we're, we've got beautiful Australian garlic to go with all of that as well. Hooray! Yeah. Oh, that's good. So let's have a look at the pick of the market. Pick of the market. Unfortunately, I sold out of beans... $12 a kilo, double the price of a machine pick. Mm. They were so tender they ran away. Yep. The peas as well coming from um, Gippsland Way because they're nice and vibrant and sweet. Um, we've got beautiful cabbage. We've been having coleslaws and that oh, with the too. Savoy and the red cabbage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, you name it, we've got cherries, it all. Well, uh, cherries, cherries, they're still running. Jump in, they're still running. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any white cherries this year. No, I didn't see any either, which is tragic because last yeah. year they were lovely. Now, cherries, you can pay anything from 12 for small ones up to 30 for the premium, the bee's knees. Always our advice is pay as much as you can afford because you get the cherry that you want. Yes, definitely. But sometimes the little ones can be a little bit tartar, but it's good to have something different sometimes. And um, if they've been sitting around a week or two, we we, um, boil them up and have them with the ice cream so they never go to waste. Yeah, that's good. And look, there's... Um, a lot of bananas, there's oranges that look a little bit green because they, they must be a Valencia for sure. 
because avalanches ripen and then absolutely. go green again. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got grapefruit that look nearly the same size and colour. Yeah. There's an abundance of apples, Australian and look Chinese, those, unfortunately. Those rock melon over there or cantaloupe. Yeah, They yeah. look like they're just full of juice, don't they? They are, like they're, they are. Like they're bursting at the same Yes. I went to one of my friends who's a, a big potato merchant, yeah. and they had this big bin. They sell a little bit of fruit. Mm. They did this big bin of uh, cantaloupes. What did it weigh, Joe? Nearly four kilo, the melon? Whoa. This rock melon, cantaloupe, call it whatever you like, nearly four kilo. Now, I'm going to cut it tonight because it's just right, and yeah. I guarantee it'll drip with um, juice and sugar and smell a house out, so, and it'll be beautiful. Sounds like a rockzilla. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, so, and even the honeydews, yeah. the honeydews got the right yellowy colour rather than a green colour. Yes. They've got more sugar as well. They're juicier melon. Um, and then there's all the different things. Um, oh, I've lost the name. Mangoes? The, the pink things. Oh, the dragon fruit. Dragon fruit, yeah. Ah. There's there's millions of dragon fruit, like but them? again, no. Nah. The only thing, an old Chinese woman said to me, the only good thing is they fix your stomach. Oh, yeah, okay. So or some people eat them because they're trendy, but... Well, they look good at a Vogue fashion Yeah, shit, yeah, yeah tell know. me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, there's, and there's three or four varieties of mangoes out there. Yep. I think there are two e two. They don't do it for me. I bought a box of KPs yesterday, and by the time dinner ended, we'd eaten five of them. So, you know, that's how good they were. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to steal some uh, Granny Smiths for an apple pie for tomorrow night, I think. Mm, what's for dinner tonight? Tonight, just a quick pasta, mate. By the time I get home, I'm out of it. Mm. So, yeah, but tomorrow, um, that'll be first night again. All right. Well, listen, so, we, we better leave it. Yeah, I think so. I think Any, we've done anything else it you want to sign off? No, just get out there and enjoy it. Enjoy the sunshine. Mm. Uh, it's a beautiful, tranquil day, just the way it should be. All right. I'm going to go and grab a boat and get back to the beach shack. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the beautiful TLA. Wow. Because it's Duncan <laughs> Buchanan's World of Wine. Welcome to the Beach Shack, buddy. We'll never put g'day you on the Cam. three o'clock special. No, g'day, Cam. G'day, Renee. Uh, hey. Good afternoon, listeners. Hey, before we go any further, what island did you work on, Cam? Um, I worked on a, a family group of uh, a thing called Badara which is next to Dunk Island. Actually, I lived on Dunk Island for a little while and then lived on Badara as the executive chef of a very, very uptown small resort where well, we, fed, we fed people like Pavarotti and the Kennedys came and had their honeymoon. And I fed Bob Hawke. I fed oh, Bob really? Hawke. Yeah, I remember he actually was in the, in the office and he leaned forwards too much. And you know those bad office chairs that just... <laughs> The base came off, and the prime minister was on his knees, going, "Jesus Christ!" Which was, and the, and the secret and the secret service got um, quite edgy at that point. But yes, that, that's the that's the quick answer, and is probably the inspiration to doing the beach shack. Yeah, fair enough. Now, I'd like to know what you said, Pavarotti, but I'd imagine it's probably just everything. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Uh, he was uh, interesting guy. Yeah. And anyway, lots of. 
there's lots of tales from the islands, and who knows, maybe I'll, I'll go into that some other time. But, yeah, that's the inspiration. Hey, welcome to the shack. We've got wheels yeah, of steel. We've got the barbecue going. And as you can see, we've got the magic esky, which uh, you're moving towards. What are you getting? Oh, uh, first thing, I reckon, that, okay, first rule is you just grab a beer from an esky and then decide what you want to get. But yeah. if the magic esky really does ring true, mm-hmm. I'd probably go for, a, I'd love to revisit a particular bottle of wine that I had uh, maybe 10 years ago with a bunch of mates. It was a you know Jermaine Romney Conti, right? The uh, the wine producer, uh, wine producer. Yeah, that's uh, you've uh, that's sort of like the Bugatti Veyron or the uh, the Maybach of, of yeah. wines. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. uh, about ten years ago, nineteen ninety one, bottle of one of their well, their best their best wine, a Latash, the little vineyard called Latash. I remember this Romney. story. Yes. Yeah, it came up on a, on a website, and I'm like, I've got to get this, but I can't afford it myself because it's a stupidly expensive bottle. So We're talking a good good four figure wine, aren't we? Yeah, it was just a whisker over three grand. Now, before people start jumping up and down, it's, this is a this is like a, an occasion wine. You don't we don't have these every day, and they don't come up every day. No, this, it's almost so once got, a lifetime kind of wine, isn't it? Really. Well, it is for me. Yeah, yeah, well, and, um, it's unobtainium for me, mate. This, so this wine came up, and I rang the guy selling it, and I said, look, I'm going to try and sell it to get five people to dinner, so we're going to all buy a glass each. Yeah. And he said, no worries, he dropped the price. He said, he said, if I can come to that dinner party, I'll drop the price for you. Oh, what, what a guy. <laughs> He's a great guy. So I thought, yeah, no, you're in. And then I thought, I've got to find it. So if we, he knocked it down to two and a half grand, yeah. and I thought, right, I've got to find five people that are happy to spend 500 bucks on a glass of wine, basically. Mm. And I thought, how am I going to do this? Mm. And within 15 minutes, it was sold. Kate McIntyre, who'd come on plonk with us a heap of time, she was on board straight away. The guy who, the guy who I bought it from, he tipped his in. Barney uh, was in? Mate, Barney Flanders? No, nah, Flanders, no. Nah. He, nah. he didn't make it, unfortunately. But another mate, David Chapman, made it, and um, another wine retailer. So you had three winemakers and two wine retailers. And um, so we, we crafted this dinner party, and you can imagine none of us wanted. We had to bring out the booze. We weren't just going to have that one <laughs> bottle. So and you know, five massive egos stuffed around the one table. No one was going to be outdone by anybody else's wine. So the lift. Uh, so the list of wine that we went through was just extraordinary. You know, we went fizzy, white, red, and then fortified, basically. And yes. it was just such an extraordinary evening where everybody dug deep into the cellar to try and make sure they weren't, you know, made to the pool by bringing inferior wines. It was just, so, and it was just because we got a hold of that one bottle. So that's what I would be looking for. Oh, just like open up the esky, mate. Esky. Just grab a bottle. No, there'll be a bottle. Yeah. It's, it'll probably be at the back because we haven't, no one's done it. So for mere mortals, yeah. can you describe, first of all, what does the bottle look like? What's in the bottle? And... Give us some idea of the flavours and what makes it so special. Um, well, you're looking at... It's one of the best locations for a Pinot Vineyard on the planet. Mm. Um, and the, the name Latash just translates roughly as the task because they just work it very, very hard. Like oh, so, so it's, reckon... it's not about a moustache? No. No, OK, mate, thanks. <laughs> yeah, OK. No. <laughs> but it's, um, so it's just a, a very, very special place. But, I mean, just Google Latash. I mean, they're very, very... Um, and this is one thing that I love about what... Uh, Domain Romney Conti do. They have very, very simple 
um, very, very distinctive labels across their across their portfolio. They, they produce a number of wines, but they, it's all just the same font, just very, very basic. And it's all Pinot Noir. That's all they do. They just they, all they do is produce Pinot. Mm. And um, you know, that's, where's it? Where's it grown? Uh, in so in uh, in Burgundy, so a couple of hours southeast of Paris. Yes. Um, just out up in the, the northern end of the of what is Burgundy, um, and uh, it's just it's just extraordinary. I've been there, lucky enough to be there a couple of times. Years. So I remember the first time I saw, like, wow, that's twelve and a half acres. So you know, about five hectares. It's a tiny little vineyard. So that's the tash. It was a bit sort of gobsmacked. It's one yeah. of those moments, you know. Yeah. But, and as far as what it's, I don't know, there's everything good about Pinot happening all at the one time. Is it like now? It, can I ask a question? Just this is the yeah. obvious. So if we think of, uh, I don't know, my favourite Pinots come from Central Otago because they got a bit of funk and a bit of weight barnyard. And then the Mornington Pinots are a bit lighter and more ethereal and stuff like that. Where in the spectrum of Pinots does this noble bottle land? Um, for me, like, and see, I, I don't get to drink a lot of this stuff. I've had some at tastings yeah. and just yeah, little bits and pieces, and they are they are extraordinary. They are they're, they're not the they're not the great big brooding ones that you're talking about from Otago. They're no. definitely that much more uh, much finer end of things, I suppose. Much more on the savoury side. Of but it's not lolly water that tastes of strawberries, is it? No, I've got no camera. If I was, if I was just being provocative, except if I was within slapping distance, I would have slapped. Yeah, I know, I know. This but is the, why it's good. I'm at the other end of the beach house. But that, so someone, someone said to us, "Now, what was it like?" And it just says everything good about Pinot happening all at once in your mouth with, with, with and just perfect balance and harmony. It was extraordinary, and we, you know, we all just sat there with our um. With our, you know, our precious glass of wine, <laughs> <laughs> and someone gave me the because I'd organised the whole thing. Someone goes, "You better open a beer cannon," and um, so someone throws me the corkscrew, and I'm like, "I've been under so much pressure in my entire life." Oh my <laughs> god! Just, well, just drag the cork out properly, but that so that's where I would go. But it probably, it probably mean because we could have that dinner party all over again too, which was a lot of fun. Well, this is what life is all about, that you have these um, incredible experiences. At the moment, uh, winemakers, if I could uh, just uh, kick the ball forward a little bit, um, winemakers this year, um, vintage, they're having good experiences and there's a bit of a positive vibe amongst everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been my experience. It's been really good because we've had a couple of relative. There's been some challenging years. Mm. Like last year was terrible. I mean, everything smoke tank everywhere. Yeah. You know, there was like, okay, we've just got a. And what about uh, Adelaide Hills, where a couple of vineyards got mm. pretty much destroyed? Did they not? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's a lot of, and there's still uh, like people have started picking. Like up in the Riverland, they have started picking fruit, which is um, you know, it's always good to start to get your fruit off the vines because so yeah, Riverland. <laughs> Is mainly the lagoon market, is it not? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of bigger scale places up there. But that you know they've started they've started picking and people are happy. And I think mm. it's that great. Um, I don't know. You, as long as your grapes are on the vine, yeah, so you're, you're in good shape. Well, no, if they're on the vine, they're always in danger. Once you get them off the oh. vine, they're a lot safer. They're, they're a lot safer in the, they're a lot safer in the winery. So there's just that <laughs> moment of ah, where but. Yeah, you know, people around the Riverland are happy. I've been, you know, been speaking to people down in Tassie and all over Victoria, and people are like, yeah, I think we're we're okay. Is it? It's a bit of heat still... in um, WA. There seems to be a bit of um, heat around the place, doesn't there? 
Yeah, and for WA, I mean, it just happens. Yeah, it? But, uh, but I think that generally, you know, people are are pretty happy. It's just nice to see that positivity about because it, mm. it's been, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but it's been an awkward twelve months. And um, it just, it just generally, so it's just nice to have people going, yeah, I'm actually looking pretty, I'm feeling pretty happy about it, you know? Yeah, not and only um, can I drive more than six kilometres, but the grapes that are still <laughs> on the vine, I'm still feeling okay about. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and not only things, in, I mean, there's, there was disease pressure around early, but, you know, if you got through that, you should be okay by now. Mm. But it's also, there's, there's a nice amount of fruit on the vine. There's, you know, things aren't, in, and this is a sweeping generalisation. Generally, Go on. Go on. There's, uh, there's some good, there's some good, there's a decent amount of fruit out there, mm. and winemakers are looking relatively happy. So, like, it's just nice to, we are definitely a glass half full by a type of person in the in the in any agricultural industry. You just no. have to be. You've got to be but to keep like, coming back, don't you? Really? Exactly. That's and, exactly. And I mean, that's, one that's of those things, don't. Sorry, mate, I've cut, you, I've cut you off. I'm so sorry, but I'm just conscious of the fact we've only got about three minutes left. Um, you, we, we cast our eyes around the vineyard, and one of the things is about you know management of the vineyard and looking after these precious vines that provide so much joy and happiness but one of the things is weeds and weeds yeah. getting into the vines and stuff like that you you told me you're about to once you leave the beach shack you're going to be heading down to port portus melvoni and uh, you're going to be getting on the uh uh the boat that goes across to tassie to preach non-herbicides or yeah it's a, that's been a really really interesting one for 2020 i mean there's been a lot people have been trying to think of way, non-herbicide ways to control your weeds under your vine because they can, those weeds under there can compete with your vines for new uh, water and nutrients, or and you know, they can get up into your, into your canopy and sort of interfere with your. Yeah, you get, up, get up your nose, really, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they just they can be a bit annoying, but people are um, people are increasingly just just turning away from herbicides and looking at other ways to do it. So that, it's been such a refreshing dog in the di- the difficult year that we just had, for, you know, and financially as well. It wasn't a very easy year for a lot of growers. So people are still going, no, I I need to be looking at other ways to manage those weeds. Can we, you know, can you cultivate and turn them over back into the soil where they create green green manure? Or do you just, if you've got areas where you might want a bit of competition, you can just mow them and have like, a, you know, almost like grass hmm. underneath your vines. But it is, it's been a real shift in the past 12 months. People are always looking at waves and, you know, and you know, it's always been a bit of a fringe thing, but they're just yeah. the take-up by um, so many of the growers that are just going, no, and it's not when they're using herbicides to transition away from herbicides while they can. They'll just reduce, steadily reduce their usage and train their vineyards, if you like, to be easier to be cultivated and just, so they're not relying on those yeah, on the herbicide side of things. So it's a... It's a and it's... It's expensive. It's not an easy way to control your weeds, but uh, I think um, where people can, they do. They just go, no, I'm going to commit. I'm going to do it. It's just so refreshing, especially, you know, when you when you see the difference. I mean, overall, you, you can, it takes a while, but you'll end up with better quality fruit because your vines hmm. are more stable. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a wonderful way. It's just, it is so refreshing. Again, that positivity we were talking about earlier. Damn right. Positivity is uh, is a good thing. Well, Duncan, may your trip across the Bass Strait be uneventful and uh, and nice and easy. And uh, I'll, be having, I'll be having a kip, sleeping in the cabin and having a damn good kip. Well, you've got to sleep off that Latash, my friend. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of that glass. Thanks for coming to the beach chat, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll Enjoy speak in a couple of weeks and find out how you went. Can't wait.
Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. <laughs>